When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Well, that's it. All over now, bar the shouting, or at least a little bit of light backstabbing as Boris Johnson prepares for government. That's right, Boris Johnson prepares for government. Last night at the final Boris versus Jeremy Hunt Hustings event in London, it was very clear that despite what Sir Roger Gale told us the other day, everyone is backing the former Mayor of London to be the next Prime Minister. So much so that after he finished speaking, hordes of people simply got up and started leaving the event, even before Hunt had started talking. Well, you know what he's going to say, and he's not going to say it with very much interest, and so you might as well just get off and get down to the pub. Coming up this morning, we'll be talking about where we go now, specifically where a Boris government will actually lead us, and I'm delighted to say we will be doing it in the company of The Sun and Sunday Times columnist and author Rod Little. He's got a new book out. He's the scourge of the politically correct, uh, and he'll be telling us all about the Brexit betrayal. You will not want to miss that. 0344 499 1000. Coming up first, though, we're taking on the BBC, as its own Director General Lord Hall admits it might actually end up as a voluntary Netflix subscription model. And surely that is the way it's going to go. We're joined by John Nicholson, former SNP MP, of course, who also sat uh, on the Department of Media, Culture uh, and Television uh, so that we can find out precisely what he thinks about it all. Uh, And we'll be joined later by Piers Corbyn, who will be telling us why the ludicrous teenage climate activist Greta Thunberg is now complaining that our government's pledge to reduce carbon emissions to zero is doing more harm than good. It's like loaning somebody 500 quid and then coming back saying, sorry, I need a thousand. Give me some more money. Heaven help us. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It is a fine day to do all manner of things today, even though it started raining in the centre of town for some reason. All this global warming is really starting to get to me. Uh, we'll be talking to Piers Corbyn a little bit later on to find out what is going on uh, with the uh, teenage activist Greta Thunberg, who apparently doesn't have uh, enough of a good word to say about us, that we're not doing it quickly enough, and she wants us to do it faster and better. We'll come to that in a moment. Right now, though, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Rod Little. Uh, The Great Betrayal is the name of the book, The True Story of Brexit. 
Um, how can I describe you, Rod? Enemy of the uh, politically correct, <laughs> columnist of the Sunday Times, Emily Maitlis's best friend. <laughs> Emily Maitlis's best friend is would be my favourite of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This refers Journalist back, of course. Hack. Yes, yes, uh, hack. Yeah. And, and other words which cannot be mentioned at this time of the day Indeed. on the radio. Um, but you are a thorn in the side, it has to be said, of, of the establishment, and particularly the sort of media establishment, because I'm reading in your book, uh, and you're lampooning quite a few of your sort of fellow columnists, yes. like David Aranovich and uh, yes, uh, others, sorry, of his, David. Of, others of his ilk. I mean, yeah. it's a very broad church at the Sunday Times, isn't it? Uh, the Sunday Times, yeah, it is. It is a broad church. Um, but an awful lot of the media is... I don't mind liberals. It's when the liberals think that they have the moral high ground yes. all the time and that we're scum right. as a consequence simply for saying what we believe in. Yeah. That's, what, that's what really gets me. And the fact that uh, I always say to people, I don't ever remember being told years ago in the last 10 years, people didn't come up to me in the street and go, isn't it great that we're in the European Union? <laughs> no, isn't it indeed, fantastic? Indeed. You know? But now they're all telling me that we can't leave it because the world will collapse around us and the sky will fall yeah. and everything will turn to dust. Well, it's remarkable, isn't it? And, you know, here's the difference, and this is what I write in the book a bit. Uh, I, people say that we've got a divided society, that the, the, this has been corrosive, society's cleaved in two. Mm. I don't believe that. Uh, I think that... Uh, and there's a lot of demographic evidence for this. I think there's an awful lot of Remainers who want this stuff out the way. Yeah. And who you can have a perfectly reasonable discussion with. They may be angry that we voted to leave, but they're not going to argue the toss because they know it was a democratic decision. Right. There's about four million. <laughs> it's about four million. It's the 37% of Remainers who defriended people on Facebook because they couldn't bear to talk yes. to anyone People who was whose a families have been sort of riven that's in right, some yeah. way, shape or it's form. I mean, you you talk about, in the, in, in the start of the book, about the day after the referendum result, which sort of shocked everybody, including yeah. Nigel Farage, as it turns out, yeah, well, um, that people were, were saying to each other in leafy parts of London, well, we don't know anyone that voted to leave. Well, that's the point. And that four million, I think it is that four million, they all live within these kind of hyper-liberal bubbles. Mm. So the BBC, for example, I, I know, I've know hundreds of people who work at the BBC I know one person who voted leave. And they can't tell anyone. And they can't tell anyone. I would guess it's somewhere in the region of about 95% of mm. the BBC in favour of Remain. Whereas, you know, the Loveys, there was a survey done, 96% in favour of Remain. Academics, 93% in favour of Remain. So when they say, I don't know anyone who voted mm. leave, they're telling the truth. Yes. They are insulated from the world. Right. <laughs> they absolutely are. Well, I mean, I have a programme here which has become known as sort of Brexit, pro-Brexit programme. But it's yeah. not particularly... I just am one of those people that, uh, in fact, believes that if you do vote to do something, that you should actually do it. Well, yeah, I have to say, you're right about that. I mean, I, I'm disappointed we haven't left the European Union yeah. yet, but I'm far more bothered by the chicanery mm. which has gone on over the last three well, years. Well, this is the point of the book, isn't it's it? The because point of the your, book, yeah. your quote you begin with, Betcha We Don't Leave, which is what you wrote on yeah. Facebook on the day. Uh, of the result being published. Um, do you still think we're not going to leave then? Uh, I suspect we're not. I suspect we're not, certainly not going to leave in a manner which which I would want us to. Mm. Uh, I can't see that Boris Johnson is going to get through a deal which is in any in any substantial way better than the one which yeah. Theresa May put to us. And, you know, Boris is doing exactly the same same thing that the Tory party was doing in um, uh, over the last two years. He's saying, yes, we must, we must uh, hold out for a no deal. We must let people know that there is a chance of a no deal. It's our bargaining chip. Well, if you say it's a bargaining chip, 
it ceases to be one. Well, exactly. And also, he said, there's a one in a million chance of us going out with no deal. So the EU already knows that no deal is a paper Mm. tiger. And I suspect the Parliament will block it anyway. Well, we've already seen the lines being drawn, haven't we? Gina Miller's back out there saying that she's going to stop anything from happening. Did you I mean, I was going to ring her up the other day and say, it's all right if I go out for a pint. Did you read that? That wonderful (laughs) statement that the Prime Minister must notify her lawyers if he's going to do anything. Mm. Wonderful. And then we've got Dominic Grieve. I know, the Dominic Grieve narcissism, which is that he alone can save the world. He's like Flash Gordon, you know, from the 1980s. He thinks that, you know, we've only got 24 minutes to save the world. I'm going to do it single-handedly. And then we've got the 30 Tory MPs who are going to say they're not going to allow it to happen. That's right. And whenever I talk to anyone who says that the Parliament must be sovereign and the Parliament must be able to do its business... Well, that's all very well, but Parliament is actively blocking the will of the people. The will of the people. That's that's absolutely right, and and it's very disingenuous of people like Gina Miller and Alistair Campbell and all these people. I mean, Gina Miller's first uh, uh, argument was that we must pass the process on to Parliament Mm. because that's the democratic way to do it. Now she's saying. Oh, hang on a minute. Right. <laughs> we don't want Parliament to do what Parliament might well do. Yes. So we'll go back to the unelected courts again. Yes, exactly know. right. It's... And, I mean, my problem as well with all of these people is what is it about the European Union that they don't want to give up on? Because, again, going back to what I said earlier, where nobody ever told me what was brilliant about it, and clearly yeah. having watched them elect, in inverted commas, their new commissioner. Yeah, Ursula, they look good. Yeah. Um, you know, and you kind of go, well, really? One candidate? I mean, what are we, North Korea now? So the point is that why do they not want to leave it, is my question, I suppose. It's it's very difficult to know. It's particularly difficult to know, if like me, you're from a Labour background, mm. which, which I was, when you look at the grotesque exploitation of, of underpaid Labour, mm. uh, which has come into this country, the conditions in which some of the Eastern European people are forced to live in, yeah. so that our Yeah, that's in the book as well, isn't it? There's a lot yeah. of that in the book, yeah. so that our businesses can make... Why? I, I can see why the Tories would go along with that, because yeah. it's good for business. Right. I cannot, in my... In, in, in my imagination, fathom why Labour would would support that sort of exploitation. And to his credit, I don't think Corbyn does. No. You know, I think he's... He's uh, a very confused individual at the moment, though, isn't he? I mean, he's being sort of battered and bruised from every side, and he's not really very confident, I don't think, being no, a leader. I don't no, think he no. likes it. Well, I think in most senses he's been an appalling leader, but I think, <clears throat> at least given this, that on the European Union, he has behaved with a degree of principle mm. in the face of huge uh, pressure from within the, the Parliamentary Labour Party. Uh, and don't forget, I mean, Corbyn has been, <laughs> throughout his history, and I detail it in that book, opposed to the European Union. Yes, he's hated Root it. and branch, he yeah. hates it. Um, yeah. And he's been quite vociferous so about it as well. So incidentally, you know, in Jones. Yes. I mean, Jones was in favour of leaving as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, and I, changed he's his also, mind. Uh, he's also blocked... I've got a long list of people who have blocked me on Twitter. Because <laughs> no, I was looking for you last night on Twitter to see that you're not there. Probably not surprisingly, and I assumed that maybe you'd just give up. I'd be up on sacked, Twitter. mate. I'd be sacked within a week <laughs> if I was on Twitter. It is. I mean, it is a very dangerous arena. It is a dangerous arena. Um, yes. But I mean, I've been having all sorts of rows with. They, they sort of they come in waves. You know, I've had rows with cyclists. I've had rows with vegans. I've had yeah. rows with Remainers. I even had some rows with some. They're Spanish. probably all the same people. They might be. <laughs> Although I think the, the probably the most unusual were a crowd of Spaniards who took exception to me putting chorizo in a paella and putting a picture out, uh, and they called me a terrorist. <laughs> told me that I was in some way breaching the rules of, of, of a paella. Cultural eating. appropriation, yeah, Mike, that's what it is. But it, but it really is an extraordinary world that we now live in. Where, it is. I mean, there are people on Twitter who literally just regurgitate 
World Trade Organization kind of pages and pages and pages. And I'm like, what's wrong with these people? But but it's it's also, I mean, the, the thing I find grotesque about Twitter, which and the reason I, the real reason I don't go on it, though I would be sacked if I did go on it without question, because uh, I'd say something at one o'clock in the morning yeah. and that would be it for me. Right. Uh, it's just a total lack of context. So you can, you can get quotes from ten years ago, which yeah. they will shove up and say, uh, "Rod Little says the Queen should have her head chopped mm. off," and they will miss the context yes. of that, which was I was actually well, arguing the opposite. Well, it was of that, a bit like it? that the other night, wasn't it, on uh, on Newsnight oh, with Emily Maitlis yes, and you and, yes, and, yes. and Tom Baldwin, was yeah, it? Tom, uh, yes. the former Downing Street press yeah. uh, attaché, yeah. Alistair Campbell, min, uh, sort of miniature version of, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were sort of trying to skewer you on things that you'd written without really understanding that some of them might have actually been vaguely humorous. Some of them were humorous. Some of them were actually to the point as well. I mean, my job is to make people laugh and also to to try and say things which I think sometimes people feel can't be said yeah. a lot of the time. Well, I was going to um, ask you how you continue to get away with it because you must have the support of the editors that you work yes. for. Because, yeah, they're brilliant editors. Because there are lots of people... Who would who would have that that dreadful statement that people issue saying how can this man be allowed to say this? Oh well, well, I, it's not merely that. You know, you get you get people like David Lammy saying that it's a national disgrace mm. that I'm allowed to write. Yes, I mean, <laughs> what? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, David's a guy who uh, who uh, insisted that the British government should apologise to black people for slavery. Yes. He was a member of the government at the mm. time, so it would have meant him apologising to himself no, very profusely. Mm. Uh, yeah. And who did we have the other day likening um, the climate change fiasco to slavery? Yes, saying yes, that basically right. uh, our attitudes that's to right. climate change and the need to do something about it were similar. Yes. I couldn't believe what I was reading. I mean, after a while, you know, you reach... It's a bit like with Donald Trump now. Now that he's gone sort of full... Yeah, racist on us. Yeah, everything else has paled into insignificance. Yeah. But this is no more outrageous than anything else he's ever said. No, I you, think that's you, right. You hit a sort of a, a, a wall in the end, and everything is as uh, offensive or not as offensive as everything else. But there's an absolute obsession amongst white liberals with racism. Mm. It's a kind of self-flagellating obsession yes. with them. Yeah. They are absolutely transfixed by it, mm. and in, eventually the term racism and racism is an appalling thing. But eventually the definition of racism becomes so broadened yes. that it kind of loses all sense. And as a white man of a certain age, um, I think you and I are actually the same age, you're not allowed to have a view on racism because you can't possibly no, know indeed. what racism indeed. is because indeed. you can't have possibly ever been um, a victim of racism. Yeah, yeah, well, well, though, uh, never mind that. <laughs> I'm I still going to have a I've rendered Rod Little slightly speechless there for a moment, which is quite a good thing. Listen, uh, we want to hear from some of you, though. Rod's going to hang around after the news. We've got lots to talk about. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Welcome uh, back to the common sense world uh, of talk radio because Rod Little has just left the studio and many of you uh, very, very much appreciated uh, the conversation that we had. Many of you tweeting uh, very nice things to us. So thank you very much indeed. A lot of you saying, can you not do this on a regular basis? Well, we can try and get Rod on from time to time uh, because he is a great thinker uh, of the modern world and he is against this kind of political correctness that we all have to fight from time to time. There's nothing wrong with being nice to one another. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a certain belief system and there's absolutely nothing wrong uh, with having a view on something which you strongly hold but there is something very wrong with trying to make everybody think the same way trying to make everybody think that uh, you know they are somehow in the wrong morally bankrupt uh, or indeed just stupid if they don't go along with what you think and I'm going to talk now to a man uh, who also fights against the sort of uh, shall we say the the, the one-way traffic of climate change uh, and it's Piers Corbyn uh, who is astrophysicist and managing director uh, and founder of Weather Action com. Piers, um, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Piers, I've been dying to get you on here for a long time, so I'm very glad oh, that we finally wow. finally managed to do it because I am not a climate change denier. I am not somebody who is uh, an ostrich with his head in the sand. What I am <laughs> is somebody who questions on a regular basis the likes of, of, of Greta Thunberg, a teenager activist, the likes of Extinction Rebellion, the people who tell me that my world is going to blow up if we don't stop driving around in cars and flying around in aeroplanes. I find it quite ludicrous that the government is beginning to recognise these people uh, and have conferences with them. Yes. Well, it is ludicrous, of course, and um, uh, the people that are saying these things, Extinction Rebellion, are completely unqualified. Yeah. Uh, they quote... Uh, mysterious scientists say, sources, uh, and the government then echoes this. But you see, the whole thing is, is a manufactured uh, protest, and the government want to hear these things because they have, have some sort of agenda of increasing uh, taxation, uh, which, of course, is favoured by the energy companies because prices go up uh, and, and, and they, they gain. Uh, I mean, you see, I think we have to... Uh, deal with this false narrative by just pointing out, uh, and I think that biology and physics teachers and students in schools should rise up and point out two complete truths. One is carbon dioxide is the gas of life, and we want more of it, not less. And secondly, carbon dioxide levels follow temperatures. 
They don't cause them. So uh, everything that is being pushed is uh, on this matter is actually uh, creating of a false narrative. Yeah. And it will not change climate in any way. Uh, the purpose of this false narrative is not to change climate, but to change to control you. Yes. And the trouble I see with it all as well is that they're constantly moving the goalposts. For example, when they started to argue that we were the biggest polluters in the world and then it was pointed out to them, well, surely we're not as big a polluter as, as India or possibly China. They then well, came up with the idea that, well, the reason they're polluting is because they're making things for us, therefore it's actually our responsibility. You know, it's, it's a nonsense. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, all these policies are not to control climate, but to control you, as I said. You see... Uh, Northern England has been deindustrialized to save the planet, we're told. Yeah. Well, uh, all those steelworks uh, moved to India produce just as much CO2, or if not more CO2, um, uh, as before. So there's been no reduction in CO2, and we've just lost jobs, and we've actually paid to lose jobs. And the European Union, of course, is central to uh, this scheme of things. The European Union Emissions Trading Scheme uh, organizes this. Uh, deindustrialization of Britain, and that's what they want to do for the next, uh, uh, well, decades if they manage to keep Britain in the European Union. Well, quite. And the U United Nations, of course, famously back in 1989, said that the world was going to heat up to such a point that nobody would be able to live in parts of it, uh, and we had to do something immediately to change it. Otherwise, by the year 2000, literally, we'd all be walking around uh, in swimming <laughs> costumes in the north of Scotland of every single de December. That hasn't happened. No, they promised us the end of snow, if yeah. you recall. And we at weatheraction.com predicted uh, that uh, coldest December for 100 years in December 2010. Right. Uh, you know, and that was using solar activity. Um, but, you know, uh, amid all this doom and gloom that you and I are saying, I think one should note, uh, with uh, a bit of optimism, that Extinction Rebellion is losing support. You look at the size of their demonstrations the last uh, few days, and they're basically tiny compared with the, those insane road blockages of London mm. which happened uh, around Easter. Well, it happens there, funnily school, enough, which, which, as school, I pointed out yesterday, happened around about the last time we had some school holidays. Well, of course, of course, they're, they're a school holiday game. But mm. now, you know, I think especially the students of biology and science, or, or physics in particular, uh, are actually beginning to realise there's something a bit strange going on because the biology teachers tell them that CO2 is the key to life on Earth. And actually, if we removed half of it, um, uh, plants would die and we'd all die. So any extinction coming is not something caused by CO2. It's caused, it would be caused by people like the Extinction Rebellion yes. campaign. And but also, and what, and what about this kind, of, uh, this kind of nonsense as well, which is trotted out, not just by uh, the likes of, of, of the teenage activist um, Greta Thunberg, but also, I mean, I witnessed something that I never thought I would see a few weeks back when the whole Extinction Rebellion thing was going on, and some mothers turned up with a bunch of 11-year-olds and called it 11 at 11, and they had 11 of them standing <laughs> in a line uh, at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning telling us all why we had to save the planet to safeguard their future. Now, as I said to somebody at the time, you know, I've got children, one of them's 12, and he's a very fine young man, and he's doing very well at school, but I wouldn't listen to his advice on anything uh, to do with climate, because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, that is true, of course. I mean, the reason why children go to school is to, is to learn things. Uh, however, a lot of the education programme has been taken over into a kind of brainwashing function. But this has led to, to, to contradictions in schools, as I said, you see. Well, biology and physics teachers that will tell us one thing, actually, if you listen to them, mm. that uh, there isn't a CO2 problem.
Um, however, the sort of, I don't know, uh, politics, economics and political correctness classes or whatever they're called in schools are telling or advising children to, to revolt. Well, uh, you know, this is madness. But you see, there's an agenda behind this. The government wants this. The government wants a movement to call on more spending or action yes. on climate change. And if you look at what is behind it all, uh, you can see that uh, the Extinction Rebellion idea was supported by and motive built up by ExxonMobil and the 5G operators. And yeah. they, they were funding this citizens online thing, and you can go on weatheraction.com uh, and find out, uh, for, for find out more about it. The other thing is the World Economic Forum climate uh, report says, uh, you know, uh, emergency, emergency, emergency. We have to spend more to save the planet. But when you look into what they're talking about, they're talking about, as far as I can see, robbing pension funds of the 72 biggest corporations around the world and spending it on huge, stupid projects mm. like more wind farms. No, well, but anything involving huge spending goes through the banks. The banks will take their cut of, you know, all the money. Who knows? And right now we're in a big crisis where the banks are about to go bust again. Um, and the World Economic Forum, which is the Davos um, junket operation happening every spring, as you know, mm. um, they want to rob the uh, biggest corporations and save the banks through that. And that is, is I think, the main driver for this utter nonsense going on. But it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be, I mean, I appreciate what you're saying about Extinction Rebellion's um, sort of numbers dwindling, because it's certainly true yeah, that yeah, there's yeah. not as many of them around. However, what we have now is, a, is an outgoing Prime Minister, Theresa May, who has uh, basically sort of sold us down the river to this carbon, net zero carbon emissions nonsense by 2050, which Greta Thunberg is so upset about, she says it's not, it's not good <laughs> enough, right? She needs more. But the point is, is that this is going to cost us billions and billions of pounds, and we were never actually asked if we wanted her to do it no of course not no she wasn't elected to do that uh, i mean what we want is action for life not not this death cult which is extinction rebellion yeah we want and are to you are you up for good things which is co2 yeah a good thing. and are you convinced though peers that in our schools there are enough people like yourself physics teachers um biology teachers who are actually teaching this stuff because i get the sense that we've lost the schools already well, I think that's largely true, uh, but there are small numbers in schools who are trying trying their best. But but you're right. The 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 uh, I think the uh, the strength of of curricula in schools on science is is actually weakened. You know, and they they tend to learn sound bites instead. Um, but you know, there's a small percentage of students and staff who who you know do go online, do think find things out. Uh, you, you know, which are mm. true. And, you know, I've been invited to schools where I've had quite sensible debates, uh, you know, where both sides have been listened to. And, and you know, when we've had these discussions and we've asked people, well, um, uh, you, you know, and these haven't necessarily been in schools, but involving university students as well, of course. And, uh, you know, we asked them, well, have you become uh, your, your belief in the CO2 story? Has it gone up or gone down? You know, and, uh, you know, in all of the all times we've asked, we find that more people are now... Uh, sceptical of what they're told on television and um, more online with uh, 
actually the scientific truth. Although, unfortunately, we'll be talking about this later on in the show, people like Sir David Attenborough, who's, I'm sure, a very fine individual, um, is one of the most trusted forces uh, on this planet now on the subject of climate change. He walks onto the stage at Glastonbury, age 93, gets a massive cheer and congratulates everyone for having a plastic-free festival, when, of course, it wasn't plastic-free because that's what all their <laughs> tents were made of, right? And the oh, stage cool. and everything else. But how did we get here, Piers? Well, how did we get here? Well, the BBC has been taken over by um, my people who are pushing this false narrative. Yeah. Uh, but you can understand this when you look back in the BBC and realise you've had a certain David Bellamy, who was a key, key guy, yes. very popular, and when he announced the truth about the CO2, saying it's the gas of life and we shouldn't worry about it at all, we want more, not less, uh, he got the sack. He got the sack not just from the BBC, but every every official function he was in. Mm. Now, this would, this would happen to David Attenborough if he opened his mouth. And at the age of 93, I don't think he's going to open his mouth other than to repeat the script he's given. No. Because it's an anti-scientific script. He must know it's, it's, it's nonsense himself. You know? Yes, which is the tragedy. Listen, Piers, absolutely delightful to talk to you. It'd be great if you'd come in one day. I don't know how far away from London you are, yeah. if you're in London. No, no. In okay, well, why don't you pop into the studio one day? Because I'm sure there'd be loads of people who'd love to ask you questions and and yeah. and, and and call in and, and talk to you. So so please let's try and sort that out. Thank you very much indeed for the moment, though. Piers Corbin, astrophysicist, managing director and founder of WeatherAction.com. I tell you what, this could well be the best show we've ever done in the history of talk radio or in the history of radio. Let's talk to Richard in Manchester. Hello, Richard. Oh, good morning, Mike. Thanks how you for doing? taking my call again. I'm no. good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. I've only got a few more days, and on the anniversary of my wife's birthday, which is the 23rd, Mrs May is out of my life for good. <laughs> well, I mean, she might pop up from time to time on the back benches, but I think you're absolutely right. She's not going to be bothering you quite as much as she has been. Oh, can she not just retire, take all her money, and go around the world and tell everybody how wonderful she is, and her legacy was that she did nothing for this country. Did you, enjoy, uh, did you enjoy her speech yesterday, that uh, oh. she, was, she was not happy about the way that somehow no compromise was being made by certain individuals in the world of politics? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you could have slapped me with a wet kipper. <laughs> she, hey, Mike, she, she, went, she did that three times. Oh, outside, no. when, when things are going bad outside number 10, she gets the easel out, plays the headmistress and said, it's not my fault, all, my, all the people I've appointed, they're all idiots and all that. Yeah. She's just got, this, she's got a, a messiah, a messianic thing like Tony Blair. Yeah, well, and she has. Just... And she's also in, in the business of wanting to give advice to the next Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, as to how yeah. he should run Downing Street. Well, I don't think he'll be taking any <laughs> lessons from her. And then she's got Hammond today coming out and saying the 30-odd billion that he's got, he's got in his purse, his money, um, oh, it's all going to be smashed now because yeah. they're going to have a... You know, um, these people, uh, is it called draining the swamp? I hope whoever gets in just drains it of all these idiots that I call them. And I'm sorry if I'm being strong. Not at all. I firmly believe, Mike, that these people like Hammond, like Rudd, like Gove, like Gork, like Grayling, like Liddington, they all sit on those front benches, they've all got the noses in the trough, they're all multimillionaires, and she just says to them, today we will laugh, and they all start guffawing at things that... I don't find funny, Mike. No. And I think the majority of people listening to your programme, if you were there and you were the Prime Minister, you'd run this country better than her. I think there's no um, doubt about that. I think my 12-year-old son would run the country better than she has. 
I think so. And I think the quicker that she goes, and, and, and don't, please don't go on pontificating about her legacy. She's got no legacy. So give her my telephone number. Let, me, let her ring me up and put her <laughs> husband next, next to her. And I'll tell her what she's got. She's done nothing for this country, Mike. I mean, you know, the poor people who are dying because of this stupid uh, credit system, the universal credit, and they're still dying today. Do you know, Mike, there's people on nothing, and they're stopping it, they're stopping the credit, and the old people are saying to other people, and I have experience of it, well, we've got no money, what are we going to do? And they're saying, well, you haven't come in and told us, so we'll stop it for another two weeks. Mike, that is going on today. It's shocking. Does she speak about that? No, she and doesn't. She absolutely doesn't. Richard, thank you very much indeed. Great call. What a very passionate man Richard is. This is what I love about hosting this radio show here on Talk Radio, which is, of course, the most forward-thinking radio station, the most commonsensical radio station in the world right now, and very fast-growing too, because of all you people moving over from a certain place which we cannot mention. Now, Rod, thank you very much indeed for staying with us. Pleasure, uh, Because it's, uh, it's a busy old time for all of us, as, as I say. I mean, my worry about Boris Johnson, just before we move on to a couple of calls, is that he just really, really wants to be Prime Minister yeah, of course so he that does. he can tick the box and yes, say, of well, of course yeah. I was Prime Minister, but I'm not sure he actually believes in anything, does no, he? No, no, I, I think it's a social liberal. Um, I think, and, and I think that's about as far as it goes. I think, I can't think of anything that he wouldn't do yes. in order to keep right. himself there. I mean, waving a know. kipper around last night, I mean, was yeah. one of those yeah. kind of great Boris moments which will be remembered. But nobody will remember what he actually said. Yeah. It's a problem as well. He doesn't play very well in the north of the country. No. Um, new opinion polls. Particularly not in Liverpool. Out. Well, not in Liverpool, but also, you know, my, my neck of the woods up in Middlesbrough and... Uh, and Newcastle, yeah. they they don't go for that shtick up mm. there, you know. No. And they don't go for the great sense of entitlement right. that that Boris seems to have. Mm. Um, so I think there's a problem, and I I, I can see Boris uh, tacking towards the Remainer side right. very rapidly in order because the maths are the same as they were when Theresa yes, May was there. They absolutely yeah. were. Let's go to the calls and talk to Robert first of all. He's in Dulwich. Hi, Robert. Good morning, gents. It's a real pleasure to be speaking to both of you. Um, and thank you for taking the call. Um, my, my call is uh, Rod and, and Mike. Yeah. I, I'm concerned. Here's my concern. I feel that when you, when long and short of it in the last few years, in the last 20 years really, there seems to be, oh, and, and not, we know it's the case now, um, there's a creeping authoritarianism uh, in our lives. And, and, and the last years have shown that it's actually there. It's full fat. You have to not just do what I say, but think how I think. And, and I find that terrifying. I find that genuinely scary, that we are turning our back on enlightenment values, that um, stuff like free speech, which I know it sounds... Well, it's just become ridiculous that people talk about free speech and they say, oh, well, you know, you're a classical liberal, and they, they sort of, it becomes a pejorative. It's utterly ridiculous. The ability to debate and have an argument and a reason... And then agree, and disagree if you want it. Yeah, yeah. We're moving away from that. And this is so dangerous, right? And I look at our schools, and they seem to be preaching this intolerance. Oh, you're not kidding, mate. You are not kidding. <laughs> I mean, first. it's at the point now where almost where you have to be careful what you're saying in public, right? Yeah. If you're walking down the street talking to your friend. Yeah. Have you found that, Robert? I've, I've found that. I've, I've also found that when I talk to my kids, and they say something that come back with from at school. I say, and you know, we're very close as a family. I say, listen, they've got it wrong. This is the real reason, but just agree with your teachers. This is, 
And then I say, look, you have to respect your teachers, but look, they've got this one wrong. And oh, do you do you do that? Do you? Because I I do the yeah, opposite. Yeah. I do the opposite with my daughter. I say, tell them they're stupid. Uh, <laughs> argue, argue with them. Argue with them because uh, because you are absolutely right. Uh, I mean, my daughter goes to a state grammar school, uh, and uh, this this sort of hyperliberalism, which is what John Gray calls it, the philosopher John Gray calls it a sort of hyperliberalism, seems to invest, uh, infest every subject other than maths. And I dare say they'll get around to that soon because there is a professor in the US who has described maths as being a racist subject, uh, which, which, you know, just uh, goes beyond imagination. But it's in every subject. It's in geography, English, history. Uh, the same shibboleths and and right on woke ideas are shoved down their throats and there must be no dissent. And you saw a kid in Aberdeen uh, who was actually uh, kicked out of his school, suspended for three weeks for having filmed his teacher telling him uh, uh, that he wasn't allowed to take a different view on the issue of transgenderism, for This example. was the guy that said he thought there was only two genders. That's right, right. Yeah. which he's right. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, if you say that now, uh, there will be a whole avalanche of yes. complaints. There will be people waiting outside News UK uh, to lynch you as you walk out. Because the great thing about the, the tolerant few, uh, Robert, who uh, say that we should all think the same way, is they're incredibly intolerant. Well, listen, thanks for your call. Let's go to Malcolm, uh, who's in Oxford. Hi, Malcolm. Good morning, Mike. Morning. Good morning, Rod. It's Good morning. a pleasure to speak to you both this Welcome. morning. What would you like to say? Um, I, as I see it, there's been a big positive come out of the uh, Brexit debacle, and, and that is the way the general public, the electorate, now view our politicians, our elected MPs and the House of Lords, the unelected. And I just wonder whether Rod thinks the same, that the, yes. there is a political change within yes. the country and it's never going to be the same again. Yes, it's you've <clears throat> you've kind of opened the last chapter of my book. Uh, that's exactly what I say. I think it's not just the politicians, uh, uh, though. That is obviously that obviously the House of House of Commons isn't fit for purpose. In that, you know, it was six to one against Brexit, whereas the public was marginally in favour of Brexit. Um, so it's partly the fact that our views are not represented in the House of Commons, and the other things we've been talking about, such as transgenderism and various other social issues, simply aren't represented in the House of Commons, but it's not just the House of Commons, it's this, it's the liberal cultural establishment, which is, you know, the BBC, I think people are losing a lot of faith in the BBC. Uh, I mean, you worked at the BBC for a long time, yeah. you were on the Today programme yeah. in a very senior role, yeah. um, I suppose more years ago than you care to remember, but <laughs> yes. has it changed a lot since then, do you think? Yes, it's got, yes, it's got far, far more uh, intolerant of dissenting view. Mm. Um, it always was a bit. But elites change. You know, you go back 50 years, 45, 50 years, the BBC, the, uh, the, BBC, the Church of England, uh, the establishment generally was right-wing, yeah. you know? Mm. Um, and at the moment, it's liberal, liberal left. And that will change. And I think the caller is dead right uh, that, that, that Brexit has shown us that the establishment is so totally out of touch with the people it's supposed to represent, uh, that there is a, a, a change coming in politics. I've joined the Social Democrats, by the way. Uh, look them up. They're all right. Uh, they're a, a different 
kind of party. There's a branch near you. I was up there talking uh, to SDP members in uh, Oxford recently. And what's their kind of shtick, as it were? What's the, what do they stand for? Well, they're pro-Brexit and they're, they're pro... They're, they're quite left-wing on uh, on economic issues, but yeah. they're also very conservative on social issues. Mm. Uh, you know, that is you know, the other thing. I mean, Malcolm, do you share Rod's pessimism about not leaving the European Union? Um... Not really, because if I, was, if I was to go down that road, I think um, I'd be giving up on myself. Uh, I've, I'm an associate member now of the Brexit Party, and I was listening to you yesterday, Mike, and you said you were surprised I've actually got what they don't call it, but it is a, like a manifesto. And I've seen a lot of the things that the Brexit Party are going to be bringing forward at a general election. And it actually fits in with my... Views and ideas. What yeah. Yeah. Does he change? I, I'm yeah, just, I'm, I'm just I'm slightly. Sure. Thanks for your call, Mark. I'm just slightly unsure of how Brexit and the Brexit Party does in a general election, yeah. only because of the way that our system works and the way that you know the two-party system, where we had, you know, we've, we've seen a huge, a huge UKIP boost at times. We've seen the Lib Dems coming second in loads of seats, but they, that doesn't translate into power. It doesn't translate into votes, and, and no. it, it doesn't translate into seats. Rather, you know, it's very interesting, isn't it? Obviously, if he has a general election before. We leave, yeah. if we leave. Which, of course, he said he hasn't done, so there's a pretty good chance he will. There's a pretty good chance he will. <laughs> then, then what happens? You know, does he try and form some sort of accommodation with the Brexit party? He would have to. Mm. Otherwise, the Tories would be wiped out, I Well, suspect. exactly. I mean, that uh, is the problem. But do you also think that when we hear these dire warnings that if this is not delivered, the, the country will be, you know, turned into some kind of anarchist, anarchist state and there'll be riots in the street? I don't buy that particularly. No, I don't either. I think... It's not what we do, really, is it? It's not. It's what the what the left does. Right. But yes. It's not. It's not what we do. No. Um, no. I, I think. Uh, sadly, I think that what there will be is what I hear all the time up in Middlesbrough, which is, well, we tried, uh, but it didn't change anything, mm. so we won't bother anymore. There'll be a sullen resentment. Yes. Uh, but I don't think they'll be writing on the streets. Which is very British. I mean, one of the things yeah. I say, and we did a show, funnily enough, just a few months ago. Just for the just for a change, um, and and to, to to sound slightly different from some others out there who sound gloomy all the time, is that being positive, which is one thing I agree with Boris Johnson about, is not a bad thing. But yeah. I also don't I don't remember ever feeling as though my life is so dependent upon politicians that without them doing the right thing, I can never be happy. No. I don't really care what they no, do. Indeed. I don't really have any time for most of them. I don't no. believe that they should rule my life or indeed increase my mood or decrease it. You know, well, I just get on with it. You're quite right. Belgium did perfectly well without a government for 20 yeah. months. Yeah, know? well, even... No I mean, one noticed. They're talking about <laughs> Northern Ireland starting up again. I mean, they're doing fine without one. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, are. just leave it as absolutely it is. Absolutely right. You know, absolutely yes. remarkable. Well, listen, uh, thank you very much for popping in, Rod. Um, the book is called Pleasure. The Great Betrayal, The True Story of Brexit. I presume available in all of the uh, normal places. Yeah, pr no, not in liberal bookshops, but yes, it's avail <laughs> available in all good places. It, uh, there's, there's no reading service. Uh, Circles going, going, uh, going through it. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, there's got to be some book clubs in Hampstead who are choosing my book this week. There's got to be. There would think. have to be. Well, listen, yes. Rod, have a great time. Thank yes. you Thanks, so mate. much. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.